0: Ooh, what are you drinking? Uh cider. Ooh. Any interesting named brand or just bog standard piss?
1: Uh Hereford shares hennies. Hootie, what, what? Is it your first of the evening? Yeah. Well, I had I made stroganoff, so I, I took I had a bit of a sip of brandy, but You're not hung over then. Not really. <laughs> the main person that gets me drunk has left Aberdeen temporarily so
0: <laughs> okay Um, I don't know I mean I get a feeling that in general we tend to spelt on way too long in a really amateurish fashion before we get started so will we just get started uh, I mean if you want to yeah. uh, sure okay then uh.
1: Do you have stuff prepared, by the way? <laughs> like any thoughts prepared?
0: I what? What are they? Um. Well, I mean, I've got fifty years worth of experience to bring. <laughs> I suppose so. Um, anyway, and I'm going to introduce my birthday present to my stomach. Anyway. Anyway.
1: Anyway. Hello, Internet. I am Firebolt.
0: <laughs> Sorry. That was so... Uh, I didn't want to do that. It was really amateurish. Sorry. Let's start again.
1: Hello, Internet. I am Firebolt.
0: And I'm the orbiter. Ba-ba-ba-doo-doo. Doo. And welcome
1: to Breaking Bollocks. What fucking episode number is this? Oh fuck's sake! I don't know. Uh, Eighty something. I just put out episode thirty-nine. I better call Paul. Oh nice. Anyway, um, yeah, we, we we didn't plan to record today, did we?
0: No. Let's get into the story of that in a minute. Let's do let's do the um, after dark thing now and introduce our drinkages. To oh okay. Audience. You've already said what you're having, haven't you? Um, what was it again? Herefordshire? Um, Herefordshire
1: Henny's Dry Cider. Mm. And is it yummy delicious? Um, I don't know. I'm not as big of a fan of apple ciders, actually,
0: but it's, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, in honour of the subject matter of the That There episode, I am going to open my one of my fiftieth birthday present presents, which is um, a single malt aged fourteen years um, It's a balveni Caribbean cask extra matured in rum casks, so its further maturation in Caribbean rum casks enhances the Balveni's vanilla notes whilst adding spicy aromatic qualities to the whiskey. It's um, I'm not much of a snob with drinks, like, no, I'm not. I just like stuff that looks and sounds posh. I mean, this looks lovely, yeah. Um, from Uncle Carl, uh, it, I mean, he knows a lot more about whiskey than I do. It looks like something out of Pirates of the Caribbean, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so we weren't going to record tonight um because I was expecting to be panicking um last minute getting my lesson plans together for tomorrow um having had a uh, having had a gig on Friday night at the local leisure center having been delivering pizzas all day yesterday and having been playing in Banbury at a guitarist showcase thing but then arwen happened and all hell has broken loose basically friday um i got sent home basically the school i'm i'm placementing at uh got closed early just pulled me cork out and it went pop oh that smells de lovely um yeah, they had structural damage. All oh, right. Um. So they had to close at half past 12 on Friday. And then um, we had... Did you go out in the wind at all? Try... Uh,
1: briefly before the red warning began, just to sort of see... Because we were going to hold an event on campus. Yeah which had to be moved online cuz the weather.
0: Yeah, I mean I I went to get to pick up a chinese takeaway because obviously the Friday evening gig got cancelled um because of high winds and I I drove around to the chinese and honestly crossing the road from the car to the chinese I could I could hardly breathe and it nearly knocked me over. It was like I really didn't want to be out in it. Like when I was going back to the car, I just thought, "Fuck! If if a if a roof tile comes off and hits me, I'm fucked." It's like you know. But anyway, since then, um, long story short, my gig today got cancelled as well because the British Legion at Bankery have no water, um, at the moment, and now, um, all schools in Aberdeenshire are closed Monday and Tuesday. And the police have declared a major incident Um, because I don't know how many, I think it was about 110,000 homes lost power at one point, but there's still, I think about 35,000 still don't have power. We've had helicopters landing at the golf club. Um right. Basically they've been circling around quite a lot. They're basically using helicopters to try and find out where all the power lines are down. There's at least a dozen still down around inch area and they're just trying to find them and stuff but so we just had like flickering lights in aberdeen mainly we, well uh, i think a few people's boilers went out i've been i think we've been lucky because we're in the middle of inch we we lost power i think twice for a, a minute or two um but uh one our singer lives just outside inch um and actually, Uh, their power went out on Friday night. They didn't actually get it back until sometime during the day on Saturday. I know Old Meldrum was out, power was fully out until seven o'clock on last night, on Saturday night. Um, But when I went up to try and deliver a couple of... uh, Power bank charges for them because they were losing, they, they were just about to lose their phone up just outside. Inch, I couldn't actually get there straight away because there was trees blocking the road. I was on the way to work yesterday and looking in the fields, there's just it, it looks like a tornado's hit in places. There's, there's, yeah, I heard there are trees on the A96. Yeah, it's mental. I've never seen anything like it. Um. So as things stand at the moment, there's I think there's about 35,000 homes across Aberdeenshire that are still without power and water. Yeah. So but at least I got a couple of days off school, eh? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, no, it's um I'm gonna the only place I've seen probably worse was Florida, but that was a different kind of storm. Yeah.
0: Um well, I think they've had a fair bit of uh, snow in sort of northern England. Like we've had
1: snow in Aberdeen.
0: Yeah, we've well, that's that's more unusual than out here, isn't it? We've got some snow out here, but it's quite unusual. Well, it's it's not unusual, but you tend to get less in Aberdeen than you do here because of the altitude. Isn't it? Certainly in November, but yeah. Oh my word, that is nice and do you know i'm getting confused now because i was going to say i was going to do a bit of a bit of a cross-referencing to other podcasts on the network i was going to say unlike mr d i'm not polluting it with lemonade and he should know better as a scots person but i don't actually know whether or not that's relevant at the moment because I'm driving so much. I'm listening to so many podcasts. I'm actually going back in time now and listening to ones that either I hadn't listened to before or I've forgotten about because my, my app just kind of downloads them in order and sort of, you know, what's the most recent one. And at the moment I'm, I don't know if it's a recent one that, that um I was referring to there, or it might be um, from the beginning of January this year, which is what I'm listening to at the moment, which is weird because if you remember, we were pretty much in full lockdown <laughs> at that time. So, um, yeah. There we go. Oh, by the way, uh, I've, I'm going to be in Aberdeen doing... Oh, I told you, didn't I? I'm doing rehearsal piano for stuff. We'll have to sort out some recording times and stuff for the yeah. podcast. But, uh, yeah work and more work
1: oh yeah what are you are you wanting to do anything for the anniversary when is the 27th of december
0: well i was thinking because if you go two weeks ahead from now um that's going to be a break in borders isn't it but i don't know when we're yeah. going to actually record that because As I say, I've got rehearsals on Sundays, but we can sort something out. But, yeah, it would be nice, I suppose, to do something. Um, It depends when you're here at Christmas as to, you know, but we can do something around that time. I'm kind of waiting on uh,
1: news about the new COVID variant. um, Yeah. Because it affects travel plans of my flatmates, so... Mm. Because I
0: assume they don't want to be stranded outside Aberdeen, <laughs> depending on how serious it gets it could affect your travel plans as well <laughs>
1: unlikely between Aberdeen and Aberdeen sure, but yeah but certainly it, for international travel it
0: would yeah but that that's have a, an increasing a, effect that's that's one of the things that I'm noticing about listening to podcasts from a while ago is that you forget what kind of restrictions we've been through. I mean, um, there was reference to uh, Boris going outside of the five-mile exclusion zone um, on his bike. <laughs> and it's like, I think it was last Christmas, wasn't it, that I, I think we were okay with up to three households mixing, possibly. But there was south south of England, sort of London area, there was no... No mixing. I can't remember what area that was over, but it's just like bizarre. I had to deliver a pizza to somebody with COVID last night. They were like, on the floor at the door, I've got COVID. (laughs) Like, no worries. Bye. (laughs) So, what are we going to talk about? Did you say you've got something prepared?
1: Well, I said, I was asking if you did, because the subject, if you cannot read,
0: is age today. There is one thing Um, that I thought, um, and it's kind of uh, semi kind of Beatles reference, but um, when I'm 64, you're going to be half my age. (laughs) (laughs) Am I? I I guess so, yes. (laughs) About that time, so but you don't need me or feed me, so I don't have to sing to you. You don't know that song, do you? Very well,
1: I kind of, yeah. but um, I've been listening to a fair amount of Beatles' virtue recently because I've been, um, uh, I watched like a thing that was like the most popular song every month going from
0: like the 60s and yeah. been listening through a playlist of that. There's a new so. series, uh, a three-part series out on Disney Plus by uh, made by Peter Jackson. So it's like it's about two and a half hours per episode, but it's Get Back, and it's um, I think it's kind of a documentary-type thing, following them um, in studio recording stuff and what have you. I don't know which period it's from or what's in it, but it's supposed to be supposed to be quite good, if a little long. Yeah. yeah. Not like Peter Jackson to create long things.
1: Um coming up on nineteen sixty-five with that, so there's been a few Beatles songs.
0: Cool. What is it called? That you you're do you say you're watching or listening to something? Well, I had watched like a YouTube video and then
1: put together like a playlist based on that. Yeah. But yeah. cool. Just like the most popular song every month going I mean, I would probably stop, like, at 1999 because, to be honest, in the 2000s... I mean, at
0: some point in the 90s, I think pop music goes to shit, but, you know... Oh, there is there is still good stuff, but it's probably not in the most popular rankings at that point.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, with general... I mean, there's basically no metal throughout the whole thing. Um, All right, because. I mean, those are musically significant, but they weren't the most popular songs at the time,
0: like "Stairway to Heaven." Or um, I can't, but still can't believe that was never released as a single.
1: <laughs> yeah, but friend um, time. Did
0: you did you see the stuff about Pepper Pig? Worlds? <laughs> uh was this to do with Boris Johnson?
1: Yeah, he. <laughs> He lost his place in like yeah. the middle of the speech and then just started rambling on about have you all been to Pepper Pig World i think it's brilliant
0: it's just an absolute joke what a knob i mean i keep i don't really um religiously follow the news anymore like i did around the time of brexit and stuff cuz it just gets depressing but i do i do dip in and out of it and i just keep i just keep seeing things about people just keep saying that he he i don't know it's a cross between people expecting that the bubble's going to burst at some point and he just won't be able to hang on to his leadership but also mixed with people going well i mean what can be worse than all the shit he's already done and said everybody just seems to kind of accept the
1: only time he
0: has a problem is when he pisses off other Tories yeah but even then, it's like, I don't know, who, who's going to replace him? Who, who are they going to get in who's going to be more popular? I mean, the, the favourite,
1: I guess, is Rishi Sunak. but um, it, Mainly because of the media sycophancy
0: around him and basically any negative things he does, it's not reported on. Come on, don't use long words with me. What does that mean? They're <laughs> like... A, they're obsessing about him like fans. Like the,
1: the, the I think it's the BBC that had like an image of him as Superman, and it's like you're supposed to be a neutral broadcaster in this. Oh yeah, of course they are. <laughs> well, they're supposed to be, yeah. But meanwhile, portraying in earlier years Corbyn in a Soviet style with a ushanka on.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, does, we had the we had the 27 drownings in the channel don't we
1: yeah i see um a couple of weeks ago and went to edinburgh um the topic of the human rights council was actually on the pushback tactics that were being talked about um from the uk for migrants crossing the channel um
0: Can I just point out, well, I mean, I don't need to point it out to you, but how how fucking stupid do you have to be to expect the leader of another country with whom you're trying to negotiate to be a bit pissed off and take no notice of you when you address an official letter to them on Twitter? Yeah.
1: I mean, I did see Macron's response to that just being like, fuck do you
0: expect? It's like, and how... We're not going to interact with you if you're not going to be serious about this. And how do the general population actually continue to fall for this shit? You know? I mean,
1: they're not that popular, is the fact. It's just they
0: have a stronger viewpoint than Labour. It doesn't matter until it comes to an election, does it? I mean, how long are we into the... Um, term now is it a year and a half something like that is it even It's 2019 so yeah about a year and a half
1: i'd say close
0: to two years now yeah yeah because it was it january uh december 2019 december all right nearly two years then so yeah. another three years to actually do something but during that time i mean I know it's not set in stone and we are at the mercy of the pandemic as to when it's actually going to happen, but I saw Ian Blackford being, i got his name right this time, I saw him being interviewed this morning and, and there was a, a hint that um, all being well, if the pandemic does actually um, begin to die down by then, there was a hint that they, the party, pandemic allowing, would probably be looking at trying to get a referendum going in 2023 yeah, that no, seems seems like a reasonable amount of time, unless... It's, it's the sort of thing that it's the, like, I don't think they want to go
1: the route of holding any illegal referendum. Rather, they want to... Um, or a non-legally binding referendum. They
0: want to try and drum up so much support that the Tories basically can't ignore it. Yeah, I mean, they've got all the tools at their disposal, and they they seem to have the strategy... Um, and the political kind of know-how to actually engineer it anyway. Whether or not they can engineer a win is... Well, I
1: mean, the campaigns generally come down to money, and the fact is that there's a lot of people invested in Scotland Mm. who benefit from it being part of the UK rather than it being part of the EU. Yeah. And so they'll throw more money behind trying to get it to stay
0: for their own business interests. I wonder as well whether or not some of it will come down to, because I noticed the SMP probably um, not having much choice in the matter because they're in bed with the Greens now, um, are shifting further away from um, the oil kind of uh, industry, if you like. Um, I mean, I'm glad because it's it's one of the main things that, disturbed me about salmon's SNP. i yeah i i is is the right move but i wonder whether or not that will become the battleground for the tories to gain ground when it comes to the referendum because obviously the snp are going to become less popular with the people that have got the money
1: i mean at least in europe supporting fossil fuels openly is becoming a losing battle because People are realising that this is an existential threat to everyone, yeah. not least the most vulnerable people in society. And it's also just not as economic anymore. We have cheap solar power now. Yeah, Scotland's one of the most progressive countries on renewable energy. We have enough wind power to power Scotland twice. So yeah. powering Scotland's not going to be an issue. Mm. It's more of a question of the economic value of the oil we'd export.
0: Yeah, presumably we can export our, our um, surplus wind energy as well. Yeah, we already do to England, I assume, and other parts of the UK. Well, that can't be popular amongst the UK kind of elite, that they might actually end up having to buy energy from Scotland. Yeah. Or
1: buy more. In it, otherwise it's a question of like capacity for actually stole, storing electricity mm. but Scotland's very well set up for offshore wind indeed as well as um, using hydrogen fuel um, for things like buses Yeah, which I've seen a fair amount of which you can do as a sort of byproduct of producing renewable electricity you can produce hydrogen fuel by using that energy.
0: Yeah. Mm. Um, What else is happening in the news then? Um,
1: Speaking of uh, things aging, um, Barbados is set to become a republic, basically removing the queen as their head of state um, in two days after this recording. Okay. um, Which is one of the first ones to do it in a while, I think, to basically become independent from, well, I mean, to basically effectively leave the Commonwealth as part of the British Empire, really. Yeah. Mm. Because the Queen's still head of state of Australia, Canada, New Zealand, um, not India, but um, or countries in that region, but they are still part of the Commonwealth,
0: I believe. I wonder if they have to kind of send any money then to her or pay her any kind of... I mean, I know it means that she gets... I wonder what it actually means in terms of, you know, what that status actually means for her. Oh,
1: that's another thing.
0: I'm partially suspicious
1: that the Queen's very close to dying or might already be dead
0: because
1: of the economic fallout that that will have, that they do not want to release any information on that right now. She hasn't been seen for a while, has she? <laughs> well, they said that we won't likely see her until February when she'll enter a new phase. Is that starting her punk rocker phase?
0: Is that like code for um passing into the afterlife or a new phase being dead? Well, I
1: presume like stepping down from duties if she doesn't die within that time, but she's not long for this
0: world. No, I mean a mum carried on a fair bit longer, but then I think she was probably a lot less busy because she was she wasn't actually a monarch. So um
1: Yeah. I mean it might get to the point where she has to just abdicate because she can't really I mean it's difficult the royals you- don't really rule. They lobby, but they don't really rule. And they hold a lot of power as just like a rich family yeah. who doesn't have to pay taxes
0: or we'll get given taxpayer money, but, you know. It's a weird one. I mean, it's difficult to tell when something is one of those kind of, when rumours go around on the internet and stuff like that, because I've heard that rumour before from a different source. That, that Well, I know that
1: generous. they've said, like the palace officials have said that she won't be seen until February. I haven't
0: heard anyone saying that they think that she's actually dead. She won't be seen until February. This, this, see, this was around... Seen um, publicly. Yeah, this was this was around Remembrance Day that I heard it at school. One of the staff there was was floating this theory that they'd seen online because they they had said just before um, Remembrance Day that she was going to appear at the cenotaph because she'd had she she'd had a a bad back or something the week before, but they said that she was she was well enough to attend. But then it turned out that she didn't in the end. So. I mean, her hands were basically purple in some of the more recent photographs. What does that we mean? have? What does purple hands mean? Well, it, it it's not healthy, certainly. I mean, it might just be like a, In Prince now. I mean, I know there's a real connection, but purple hands, purple hands. <laughs> but anyway, but it, it's a thing
1: where her current successor her heir uh, prince charles is not as popular with the uk public or international audiences because most people don't really know who he is and the things that we do know about him it's kind of like he occasionally says some quite racist stuff
0: yeah um yeah i mean i i know there's all sorts of i know there's all sorts of plans in place for when she does die and maybe maybe they are underway already um you know I mean, changing the currency in itself would be quite expensive. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Um but um yeah, and and I think like there'd be like a something like a week national holiday or something, or a week or a fortnight. I'm not sure what it was, but there's there's all these plans in place for when it does actually happen. Um and I don't think that's an optional thing. I think it is kind of a legal thing that, that everybody will have to... I mean, obviously, there'll be essential services will still have to run, but there will be like...
1: But it is quite common as well for monarchs' health to
0: deteriorate when their spouse dies. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> most of the rest of us just, just kind of start to have a second youth. It's like, yay, time to party. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna have to go, aren't I? <laughs> I mean realistically, yeah, but... but um yeah. So any more news, Omicron? Yes. See, this is the thing um
1: because I didn't like realize this, but um South Africa's basically pissed that um they're basically being blamed for discovering it because they have quite actually advanced ways of like detecting new variants of this stuff because they've been on the front lines of new uh, tuberculosis and HIV cases. Yeah. Um, So they have quite a good infrastructure for detecting these things, Mm. but they're the only ones being red-listed along with other countries in Southern Africa when it's been detected in Belgium. It's been detected in the UK, it's been detected in Israel Mm. and other countries, but they've not been red-listed yet.
0: No. Um, I suppose it's just a case of wait and see at the moment, isn't it? Um, I mean, we, all we know at the moment is that it spreads it spreads about twice as fast as um, previous variants, if you like. But whether or not it's because it was um, mentioned that it could actually just it might be a milder strain for all we know. We've just got to wait and see. Um, and and we're it's, vaccine, we're as like-
1: far as I can see, the most mutated strain found yet from the original yeah. one found in Wuhan. Mm. So it's our current vaccines are going to be less effective, not completely ineffective, but less effective at mm. combating it because it's genetically different to some extent, or at least the way they express those genes is different to the. Uh,
0: one that we're actually vaccinating against. Yeah. So, mm. any uh, any other sort of national, international news or any personal news? or um, World War Three might be
1: about to start. Really? Uh, Russia's very likely going to invade Ukraine again soon. I haven't seen that. Um, they're building up troops on uh, something called the Donbass region right um which is a bit north of crimea uh on the border with russia but they they've annexed ukraine already haven't they yeah they they've annexed crimea they held um a referendum while, while occupying crimea <laughs> in which crimea supposedly voted to join russia yeah it's kind of hard to say anything about that because it was conducted under Russian occupation so it's kind of like this does not feel like a legitimate vote Mm. and they say that there's like pro-Russian majorities in the region that they would plan to make part of new Russia because they still see Ukraine and Russia as part of the same country quite a lot of Russians or at least the Russian government would Yeah. Um, uh, and claim the, that the reason for this is instability in Ukraine. But What's the
0: relationship between Russia and China like?
1: Mm, I mean, mainly sort of a means to an end, I suppose, in that they can work together to oppose Western powers. Yeah. Um, but they follow very different systems, mm. effectively. Um, But certain things like um, the independence of Kosovo, which um, seceded from Serbia, Um, Russia and China do not recognise it because it would mean possibly recognising separatist movements like Taiwan or um, various parts of Russia that would seek to separate because it's quite a big area that encompasses a lot of ethnicities. Um, so, they don't recognize Kosovo and they have veto powers in the UN uh, Security Council, which means that Kosovo is not counted as a country. Hmm. Interesting. So,
0: so, possibly
1: alliances with Serbia or something, but you know.
0: Do you think the West will actually do anything then if they do occupy Ukraine and Crimea? Well,
1: NATO seems very concerned and the us has been talking about it for a while um, i mean there, there is being cons- skirmishes there, like there has been gunfire and explosions on the border yeah but they've not quite moved a, about i think they said like eighty thousand troops that have built up on the border into ukraine yet well, aside from Crimea, which they did in 2014, but, you know. And as part of that, um, kind of uh, Belarus, which is very closely allied to Russia, to the extent of effectively being a puppet state of Russia, Mm. um, have been taking in uh, migrants, mainly from Iraq, and then basically threatening them
0: to push them on towards the Polish-Lithuanian border. Yeah, there's a load of them on the border, isn't there, at the moment. I mean, the way that Polish authorities have interacted with
1: them is not great, but at the same time, it's sort of they're wanting to create a crisis, as far as I see, to distract from the fact that Russia's very likely to invade Ukraine within the next couple of months. Yeah but the US does seriously get involved unlike 2014 where they kind of got involved but i mean the uh, ukraine's not a member of nato so it's not going to have as much like they're not going to defend it as much but they are still concerned about just russia in general so they might help out i don't know yeah i mean it's they mainly send weapons and aid rather than actually deploying troops there as far as I understand
0: yeah mm. well it keeps somebody in business doesn't it if they're using weapons or sending weapons the weapons industry and all that yeah anyway should we get on to age sure <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> what are we going to say about age? Well.
1: You turned 50 this year, didn't you? I did. To the interesting age. And I turned 18 this year, which is another interesting
0: age. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, to me, 50 marks sort of the age where, like, in terms of, like, typical groupings, you would be classed as, like, towards the end of your working life. Like, you've got max a couple of decades. That you would be still working, Do you know. But I mean, I mean, within like
0: the traditional retirement age of sixty-five, but you know, I totally agree with you. But I, it just makes me laugh because I, I actually, I'm only beginning to feel, just now beginning to feel like I'm, I'm, kind of an adult now. <laughs> it's like I'm beginning to feel an emotional maturity that I should, I sh- would have thought most people would be looking to gain in their twenties, you know. I don't know whether it's an emotional maturity or just feeling a confidence. Um, I don't know what it is, but, yeah, the thought that that um, entering a career path, which really is going to be um, essentially my last, I suppose, my last sort of career change, you would have thought. Um, I mean, not necessarily. Um, I mean, the thing with the retirement age
1: is, I mean, people are living longer in general. Yeah. So you've got, you sort of got this mindset that you've got like, let's say, four stages to life, each in like 20 years. um, During the first of which, you kind of enter adulthood and grow up, uh, (laughs) supposedly. (laughs) And then you presumably start working um or some sort of career begins and then you enter sort of senior
0: phase of that career and then you retire i think these ideas are i mean it's interesting that that you still um recognize those phases because i would have well no
1: but it's a thing
0: um that's the traditional model right
1: yeah that you would sort of split your life into these phases where okay you're 40 now where did you get
0: knowledge of that traditional model from
1: i mean I mean, I, I'm going to go on to you've kind of got this point now where people are relatively often living to 100 in a way that they didn't in the past. Yeah. I mean, the general life expectancy is around 80 still, but um, you've got an extra 20 years there that sort of like what do you, you've got a significant portion of your life if you lived to 100 that. For and me, retire at 65 that you're not really for me that it, it's sort of seen that your life is kind of done the
0: the main thing i think for me entering uh i, I mean obviously age is something which uh, spans your entire sort of uh life in terms of stages and stuff but when once you get into beyond my age i think um it's largely determined by health how are you, how are you going to, because all, all of the things aside, I fully intend to still be performing as a musician until the day I die. I don't care if I con- conk out on stage, but I might not have that choice. You know, you've got to be physically and mentally able to, to to actually do that. Um, but as our
1: understanding of um, deterioration in terms of, uh, your brain, and in terms of um, physical deterioration. I mean, that's largely a thing of um, neuroscience that would be determined by your ability to play an instrument. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's certain things like lifting heavy things that would be determined by other
0: things like muscles, uh, just not being as exercised as they used to. Mm. But there's all sorts of ways around that sort of thing. I mean, uh, actually today, I fully loaded the car up for the gig that was supposed to be this afternoon and then had to fully unload it again. But I was using, for the first time, I I got some, um, they're actually called arthritis support gloves. Um, But I'd specifically asked for them for my birthday because, especially over the summer when I did that, um, when I injured my hand um, and basically lost all the strength in my left arm over that that couple of months getting back to lifting things and doing things with my left arm and with my right arm as well because I've been out of action completely for, for quite a while um, my wrists were just really feeling the strain with that so I've got these support gloves and actually I mean I'm getting the strength back all the time more and more but but wearing those gloves while I was loading and unloading the car just supporting the wrists it was like so much noticeably different you know improvement in my lifting ability and and I think the fact that I'm more active now from in the summer um, a certain amount of it is to do with how active you keep yourself and how strong you keep yourself Um, but there are aspects of your health which you don't have control over necessarily like bone strength i'm not sure how how you can other than via diet i'm not sure how you can protect you know bones get brittle with age don't they
1: to some extent yeah um i mean
0: i guess things like mineral supplements and stuff might help with that but I mean, there's some things that we don't suffer from so much that we used to, like you can get things like hip and knee replacements now, um, which obviously back in the day would have would have been a major issue for people. But now, now you can get an extra couple of decades of use out of a hip, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I wonder how far that's going to go because obviously the more parts of the body that get replaced, the less organic you are, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> you kind of see it with, like, prosthetic limbs and stuff like that for, for people with injuries or disabilities. But it seems like the the further we go on, the more we are able to substitute. And I, I mean,
1: anything that we're able to, like, sufficiently model, hmm you could reasonably replace which for things like limbs although not perfect you can make some sort of thing that functions in a similar way because we have a relatively good understanding of the physics of that but something like the brain or um quite complex organs um you have more problems there because there's not as much understanding on how to model that, I guess. Yeah.
0: But as I say, can you foresee a time where eventually you can have a situation which is... What is that um, thing where you replace the whole boat gradually in stages? What's that called again? The ship of Theseus. Yeah. Can Can you Can you imagine a time when when humans might actually achieve being able to do that with... Bodies.
1: I mean, it's it's a matter of like philosophical consideration there, but I think ultimately your body is not really who you are. Like, I mean, it influences what you're able to do with who you are. Like, if you're, uh, if your personality makes you interested in sports, then having a body that's able to do those sports will influence your life, but. Um, like it's your mind that really controls who you are yeah more specifically kind
0: of your frontal lobe but so keep, keeping i mean you i suppose in a, in a way i mean you you're the sum of your experiences in in a in a memory sense um so if they if there is a way to perpetuate those memories um it's difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean, under natural circumstances, um, we... I don't know how far back you remember, but there's a point beyond which, in youth, um, memories just pretty much disappear for me back past the age of sort of six or seven. um, There's next to nothing in my conscious memory. Um,
1: That's the thing as well... um Particularly because for people like me who are um, neurodivergent, as they call it, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's a possibility that you might be as well, but I have a diagnosis for it. um, Mm -hmm. Where the way that you process things like that and also with being Trans, it sort of changes my perception of the time in my life, I think, mm. Um where there's a lot of stuff, like, prior to knowing that I was trans that
0: I just rather wouldn't remember nowadays. Well, this is the thing, because I know there are some people who who claim to have memories a lot further back than that, and I wonder whether or not some of it is down to... um trauma or events which you which are unpleasant to remember for you because obviously that kind of age for me represents a particular turning point in my childhood in that that's when my parents split up and everything changed you know I moved down to Northamptonshire from Leeds and before that when my parents were together there was a lot of unpleasantness um which I would rather forget. And I wonder whether the longer you go on, the more your brain kind of sifts that stuff out. Because there is that that thing about pathways in the brain, um, learned sort of skills, if you like, um exist sort of in sort of neural pathways that are that are regularly used. But I wonder whether memories, when you don't access them through choice over a longer period of time, gradually atrophy and you know I mean there are obviously remnants fragments of memory still there but if you're not if you're actively not recalling them do they kind of sink into nothingness eventually
1: there's kind of vague stuff for me going back beyond like age 10 it's quite vague and then it's quite late then. At like age five, it's just snapshot images. Right. There's virtually no information actually attached to that. Anything that I do know at that time is more due to being told stuff about myself at that time yeah. later on by other people, which kind of changes your perception mm-hmm. and actually sometimes I think create memories that you maybe didn't have
0: before sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, th- the important thing to remember as well is that a memory is not reality. It's, it's a lens, isn't it? It's, um, I mean, it's not it's a like, picture. <laughs> it's-
1: Age seven, I remember virtually nothing except for Disney World because that was on camera. And so I remember a lot of stuff through watching the stuff that was on camera.
0: Yeah. Mm. Which I suppose is the, is the function of um, media like that, isn't it? Photographs and video now. Um, it's not just a case of uh, capturing memories. It's a case of perpetuating them, really, because the the mind doesn't retain them. Um infallibly, if you like.
1: This is a thing. Um supposedly one of the main differences between neurodivergent and neurotypical minds is um the way that you prioritize information, in that the way that my brain might prioritize information is what I'm interested in. Yeah. What I find interesting generally um whereas i mean it, it, it's complicated but this is just a generalization a neurotypical mind might um prioritize more of the information that's just useful to them mm. and so i forget lots of information that's very useful to everyday life but like i don't find it that interesting
0: yeah so something that just popped into my head we were talking about passing that sort of 50 mark, if you like. And I think it has had a quite profound effect on the way I see myself and the way I try to be, in that up until this point, very recently, I've almost tried to hang on to my youth in terms of trying to be... um, I mean, very loosely, not cool, but you know what I mean? Just trying to be youthful, trying to hold on to those things, which are, I suppose the way to describe it really is thinking forward. I actually feel a lot more accepting now of actually how old I am and less concerned with trying to appear youthful or trying to appear whatever. I'm I'm a lot more comfortable with appearing kind of middle-aged and getting on a bit now like it doesn't matter to me whether especially going into teaching it doesn't matter to me whether or not kids think i'm young (laughs) because i know i think um (laughs) there's no that's i think a lot of people sort of between the ages of 40 and 50
1: sort of grapple with the fact that they're not i mean that yeah they're not really young anymore and also they might be starting to think about retirement and what they want to do with the rest of their working life. If they do I mean, that's the thing as well. Like this idea of our life plan, if you will, is very obsessed with this idea of working Mm. in a particular career. I mean, careers aren't really as much of a thing as they were in the past, but it's, yeah, the sort of thing of like a midlife crisis, but at the same time,
0: you can take that as an opportunity to, do something new. I'm finding a very interesting um thing happening in my thought processes with regards to my going into teaching now in that it's not that I don't um feel inspired by the prospect of educating kids or love the idea of of helping them to learn uh, and, and not just learn but like some of them have Really bad home lives, you know. Just giving them a chance. It's not that none of that's important, but actually, my main, my prime reason for for going into it is money. Um, and that that might sound capitalistic, but it's it's not in terms of I don't want riches and and objects. I just want stability and security yeah. because I've never had it. In the sort
1: of old days, I mean, I I assume it didn't actually happen like this for most people in many cases, but I suppose the idea was that you would set up your stability, like a stable flow of income within the years of like 20 to 40, you would find a career and start
0: working your way up to higher incomes. During my lifetime, that all changed. Yeah. that just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, you can try it, you can you can do it to a certain extent, but at any given time, you can lose it all now. I mean, you grew up kind of... Um,
1: you were a teenager at the sort of start of neoliberalism as the main uh, global force, mm. really. Uh, you also lodged your job shortly after the 2008 financial crisis, if I remember correctly, as a uh, projectionist that wasn't probably related to that and general digitalization. Mm -hmm. And so historical events have influenced the way that people interact over time
0: with careers. It's all about adapting now, adapting is the new form of security really. And I suppose in some ways teaching represents more than any other profession probably represents the, the the last sort of remaining career that is pretty guaranteed because we're always going to need teachers. Are we, or are they going to be replaced eventually by? computers? and
1: um, i uh, i think in general sort of ideas of the jobs that could be done automated teachers are probably going to be the, some of the last to um be replaced if anything
0: so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean in some ways i suppose we already are and that, that that there is there is so much that can be learned online but it's all got to be it's all got to be self guided hasn't it if you're going to do it without a teacher you've got to be motivated to learn and that's where the key is that you you a teacher's job is to to get children to want to learn to kind of engage and to get motivation from in a world like today where everything's kind of served you know everything literally everything is served through through your I was going to say your phone line, but it's not even that anymore, is it? Through really the ether, you know. Yeah, but it's it's. I mean, I'm just, just thinking about age. the The longer you live, the more versions of society you can remember. Um, I mean, you you'll remember before smartphones came along, but. I have a very vague recollection of the news of smartphones beginning to
1: become a thing. I remember having a phone that wasn't a smartphone, yeah. but I wouldn't have used it very much. It would have just been sort of for the
0: sake of having a phone. Because and you know, uh, and here we are now at this point where actually it's a serious global concern, not just for kids but for everyone um, of screen addiction.
1: Yeah, I mean that would have been something that like I grew up in the environment of, like, I, you know, YouTube didn't exist when you were a kid. It sort of blew up during my childhood.
0: there's uh, I heard a few statistics um, last couple of weeks ago that about about that that whole thing and and trying to trying to help us as adults to understand what pressures kids have to deal with nowadays um and that whole thing about um with messenger apps and stuff like that if you post something and you can see that somebody's seen it on a messenger app and they don't reply straight away the anxiety that comes from that that they're like so why have they not replied but but the other thing about when they take a selfie apparently the average number of selfies that a teenager will take before they actually choose one that they're happy with is 12 like take, I I don't get taking that
1: many. I mean, it's sort of like if I blinked during it or the angle is slightly weird, I might take like another one. But
0: yeah, but I mean, you're not you're not <laughs> don't take it the wrong way, but you're not a typical teenager. Um, no, I would rather not be. <laughs> good.
1: <laughs> um, um, but but it, it, this sort of thing where you take um. Cause I see it a lot where people would take a bunch of nearly identical photos. Yeah. As far as I could see, they're not like taking it from new angles to like try and experiment with the idea of photos. It's just like taking so many photos of the, yeah. of the exact same angle.
0: <laughs> right. I know you can get these cameras and, and I suppose camera apps and stuff where you, you, you literally take like about a dozen photos all in one go. Like they're just like, different shutter kind of
1: I mean that seems good to sort of get rid of like the blinking thing
0: yeah yeah. but yeah I mean just going further back you know it, it's just bizarre to have memories in my head of the birth of the world wide web and the time before that you know when when the internet was around and modems were were a thing, but the World Wide Web wasn't born yet. And just back into the seventies, it's just bizarre to have memories of a completely different world. And I see, actually, I see posters up at school, which kind of um, kind of sum it up. You know, they are quotes. I don't know where from, um, but from thinkers um, and historians. You might know who they are actually. There's one that sticks out that like the the past is something like the past is an alien place. They do things differently there. Um and there's also another one, there's a fallacy that history always repeats itself, but um, I can't remember what it was. It's when we forget what happened that that things repeat themselves or something along those lines that actually when you remember those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it
1: something like yeah
0: that. yeah yeah um but um
1: it, it, the sort of history repeats itself thing i think it's more correct to say that
0: history rhymes
1: rather than repeats
0: yeah yeah that's that's very astute did, did you people what did you come up with um,
1: that? i I heard it somewhere, but I can't remember where <laughs> take take um
0: uh, no, the word's gone,
1: but people across ages will i mean we're the same humans. we're just interacting with different worlds, and so you'll see things about the way that people dealt with um world War one or um, the Cold War. I mean, you've lived through parts of the Cold War. Um, yeah. Or going back further to accounts we have from the Black Plague, or even well, this- the Romans. If you have any sort of idea of how people would have fought at that time,
0: you can find something that you'd relate to there. Mm. And this is a, this is a similar thing, I think, with history. In the long term sense, as it is with memories of your own prior life experiences, that no matter what you do, however accurate the stories are or, or the memories are that you've got, the past is something that is gone. You know, you can you can you can read the stories, but they're always written by someone. You can Remember the memories, but they're always colored by everything that's happened since that you're never gonna get an accurate representation of the past within your life or before, yeah it it it's
1: i mean even your memories of the past are gonna be viewed through a certain lens, yeah, you can't examine that to see whether those things are correct
0: retroactively, really. What do you think about um emotional memory like i'm thinking about hearing pieces of music that remind you of how you felt at a particular time because i i i'm i am a strong believer that um how you how you feel on a given day, what your experience is on a given day, can drastically affect whether or not you like a film or a piece of music or a piece of art because of the the memory that it's attached to. That a lot of the time, people say they don't like something. This, this is like- a <laughs> thing it's, it's <laughs> itself. It's to do with their state of mind at the time they first experienced it. Fucking right. Abba.
1: <laughs> now, you will know that I am uh, have a history of not really liking Abba. Yeah. Thing is, the main song I don't like is actually Dancing Queen. I have no fucking clue why. I can't figure out why in my brain that music just d- generates some sort of bad feeling within me. <laughs> I don't I know. I think it's attached to some sort of memory, but I can't figure out what it is. I think it's just a vibe about something. be so I, bad that you blocked it out, whatever it was. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to go into it on this, but you know, it, it's just I, there's some sort of bad feeling attached to that specific piece of music. And it's built over into other rapper songs, which now,
0: listening back, most of them are pretty good, like musically. It's like negative reinforcement, isn't it?
1: Well, that was a thing. So once I said that I didn't like um, Dancing Queen, people were like, oh, do you not like ABBA? And a bunch of other people would be like, oh, well, I don't like ABBA either. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so I just don't like ABBA. I fit into that set, that subset of people now. (laughs) I I mean, that happened a lot with music when I was a kid where I didn't really understand the way that those social groups based around things that you like really worked.
0: Mm.
1: Um, So I pretended to like Justin Bieber. So my sister would like me more. And how did that pan out for you?
0: I have vague memories. (laughs) So do you not like Justin Bieber anymore? No, it's out of trash. But did you actually like Justin Bieber or did you genuinely pretend to like him? Is music, presumably.
1: Yeah, I pretended. <laughs> I saw it as a way to fit in, mm. I suppose. So but we- it's sort of how my brain processed that at the time.
0: I think I was about seven. This is one of the weird things about being in covers bands and playing in musicals and stuff, is that whatever your personal preferences of music are, you find yourself immersing yourself in styles and songs that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise have tried. And actually the act of learning to play them brings you an appreciation of the musical content that you just wouldn't have really thought of, you know? And even to the point of, I mean, I know, obviously I was a massive and still am a massive Queen fan, but even with something like Bohemian Rhapsody, there comes that point where people know it so well that they they're not really appreciating the genius that there is in it anymore because they're just kind of, you know, like your brain kind of creates shortcuts, doesn't it? It recognizes something and it labels it um, and, and doesn't really pay attention to it when it knows what it is. Um, I mean, that's something with
1: um, pieces of classical music that are so known through things like film yeah. that it's just like, sort of, oh, I recognize that what's that from rather than thinking of like the complexities within that. Cause it's sort of like, well, that someone else has already
0: analyzed that or. I like coming back to music that you've not listened to for ages, but you used to like, because it's like discovering it again, but in a different way, in a deeper way, you know? But yeah. Yeah.
1: I think I found a lot of the music that I used to like is more of a function of the social groups that I
0: was trying to fit into at the time. So, what are you what are you into musically now? Like, what are your main kind of? Uh, I'm kind of you, like anything. Do you give anything a chance now?
1: I mean, I'm a lot more open to music than I would have been previously. Like most forms of music. Um, that's interesting Though I I generally find um, pop music from like the probably late 2000s early 2010s to be completely unlistenable and I don't know whether that's connected to my experiences at the time or
0: just it not being very good one of the things I noticed very much nowadays uh with music is not not that the musical content is different but that the production is different um so you might you might get songs which are just as musically rich and and original but instead of using traditional um kind of you know drum sounds or guitar sounds or whatever they there there's a very processed sound now which is a, an art form in itself you know it's really quite difficult to, mm. to achieve some of the some of the I,
1: I think it's just a thing where um electric electronic drum sounds it's i just do not enjoy them as much as um either something that's reproduced to sound like an acoustic kit or an actual recording of an acoustic kit yeah mm. where it's sort of this very perfect rhythm rather than the individual sort of musicality of a drummer mm. doing what they would while actually playing. Because there's sort of thing, it's like I try and play along to some of these things. it's sort of like, It's impossible. This is not
0: physically possible to play. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the thing is, I suppose, that the performance of that sort of thing is, is designed to be done on electronic instruments. So a, an actual drummer performing that sort of stuff at a gig won't be playing the sounds acoustically. They'll be triggering them.
1: Well, it might not even be that. It might be that the way that they've edited it is that it's too fast for, other than the very extremely skilled drummers
0: to even yeah. get close to reproducing it, but that's that's quite an old thing. I mean, if I think back to st- st- sort of stuff that Fatboy Slim used to do in the um, early '90s, yeah, and, and back into the '80s. I suppose '80s was when electronic music really started to take off when synthesizers became mainstream, and you know. Um, but this is kind of connected to. I was thinking it's interesting that some things get worse with age and some things get better with age i mean i'm thinking about the tomatoes that me and mum tried to put in our burgers earlier on that have been in the fridge for way too long (laughs) and then i'm thinking about this whiskey that i'm drinking now you know that's chemistry everything comes down to science doesn't it literally i mean (laughs) science is simply the
1: apparatus through which we understand the world so everything in the world can be understood better through the lens of science eventually. I mean there's some things that are so complex like philosophy that it's sort of like it's pointless to try and assign numerical values to all of this where it's sort of like these are very complex things to even think about in the first place. Indeed. Never mind trying to empirically
0: solve some problem. Yeah, that 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 gets. Um, I don't know. I was just, I was just about to disappear. Oh Jesus Christ! My chair just collapsed. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what I going to do then? Um, uh, what shall we talk about then?
1: There's a thing as well. I saw recently on the subject of my age more. Um, and this sort of comes into, at what age people become mature enough to handle certain concepts? It, it's always a thing with um, talking about sex education. At what age should that sort of thing start? Some people
0: never do. <laughs> what? Well, there are some concepts that some people are never mature enough to handle. But yeah, well, they're... it's sort of at what
1: age should you need this information? Is kind of more the case with sex information a, a sex education in my
0: opinion. But suppose in a in a legal framework it has to be generalized, doesn't it? But it doesn't fit it doesn't fit anyone particularly. It's it's an it's an average. But some people are gonna need that information a lot earlier than others. Some people are never yeah. gonna need it.
1: Uh but I you know, I know when I was at school, people were having sex before the age of consent in the uk 16 um i mean that's also another thing in scottish law um the way the age of consent works is um if you're 13 to 15 you can have sex with other people 13 to 15 Mm. legally i mean it's slightly gray but you know you won't be criminally prosecuted for that no that's not considered like statutory rape or anything However, if you're over 16 having sex with someone under 16, then that is statutory rape.
0: Yeah,
1: there are, there... or if you're
0: having sex with anyone under 13, then that would be considered rape. Are there not states in America where it's 19 is the age of consent? Uh, I,
1: as far as I know, it's mainly 18 across America, but I don't know specifically. But that's that's another thing, like the age of consent varies from country to country, it's 13
0: in Spain. I remember a few years ago there was a case um, of a teacher who went who went to France with a 15 year old pupil that they'd been having a relationship with um, and the police were wanting them to be extradited back to Britain but um, the French authorities were like well why they're not doing anything wrong because she was over 15 because it's 15 there but the other thing in that- the
1: case that there's the age concern there, but there's also like the power relationship of a teacher and a student. Yeah. yeah. Not really appropriate.
0: It's well, it's actually illegal Um, up to a certain, yeah. I'm not sure how, uh, how and when it changes. I think when you get to sort of university level, further education level, I think it's frowned on, but I don't think it's illegal, but certainly in school, you know, there might, if there was a chance there that it would
1: influence in some sort of corrupting way, someone's grades yeah then that would have implications for their employment
0: in terms of um, a teacher in a school um sleeping with like a a 17 or 18 year old student in their school that is still illegal um yeah
1: i'm not surprised because it's a power imbalance
0: yeah Mm -hmm. because there's a there's the whole duty of care thing Yeah. yeah
1: So consent so, can't realistically be there where there's a lot of power
0: there that could be used to coerce someone to do something, that they don't really have the power to consent to. So, there, so there's an interesting example, actually, of exactly what we're talking about, that things are not the same across the board for everyone. Um, there are all sorts of criteria that, that change a situation. It's not just about age. Well that's a thing relevant
1: to a recent case um Kyle Rittenhouse uh, if you've heard uh, he was yes uh, 17 well at the time of the um, shooting incident um <laughs> he was 17 um he went from out of state to um a protest in Kenosha in I believe Wisconsin. Mm. Um where he claims in self defense he shot um I think two people fatally and one person non fatally. Yeah. Um so what what's the what's sorry, what's the relevance with age for that one? Well, it's a sort of thing where a lot of people, when someone of that sort of like late teenager phase c- commits a serious crime, mm. um, in this case, uh, well, see, this is the thing. Legally, this wasn't a crime, or at least beyond a reasonable doubt, it wasn't a crime because there was a reasonable case for self-defense that at least the jury believed in that specific case I and mean, this is the thing with the legal system things that are right aren't always necessarily what the legal situation is but mm. a lot of people have this idea of a young person doing something stupid at that age oh they shouldn't be punished as harshly i mean i, I, I don't think the system of punishment for crimes really works no, on the whole there is, but-
0: there is i mean um just mentioning quickly i think last week there was a 12 year old girl stabbed to death um and i think it was it was definitely in england it might have been in london somewhere but there's a group of four boys between 13 and 15 that are being uh, investigated for that but there is there is like a, a gray area in law um because they used to have things, I don't know if they still have them, they're c- called Borstals, which were like youth detention centres, which weren't really jail. Um, but I mean, it's a difficult one. I mean, there was years ago, there was the case of the, do you remember the Jamie Bulger case? Um, no. I, mean, I have to look that one up, but I think it was, um, I think there were a couple of kids that were, I think they were about 11, and they um it was something to do with a railway line. They put a, a toddler on a railway line or something and 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 um that I'm not sure how how that panned out, but their identity was always kept closely guarded. They've they've never been I don't know if they've now been uh sort of the thing, the age of criminal responsibility changes
1: from country to country. I mean, I think it's something that in what I heard will actually be changing in Scotland relatively soon. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: to being older. So, um, yeah, the, the James Bulger thing, it was 1990. Um, it was a two year old boy who was abducted, tortured and murdered by two 10 year olds. Oh, their names have been released now. um, So, yeah, um, they'd led him away from uh, his mother when she'd taken her eyes off him momentarily momentarily, um, and his body was found on a railway railway line two days after his abduction. And it's just like, I mean, I suppose the thing is, in that situation, yes, it's horrific in that, but you've got to think to yourself, what the fuck has happened to those two 10-year-olds that causes yeah. you to act like that. And at what point, at what age do we give the same consideration to anyone else? Um, because whatever you do, however horrific it is, um, surely it's a recipe that's kind of made up of your chemical makeup, if you like, your biological makeup combined with your experiences so, I think in that case, it's
1: probably more a case of the environment in which a certain predisposition was combined.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where it's sort of, I mean, I can't imagine being able to abduct and torture someone being done very effectively if they were being supervised by parents, really.
0: Yeah. But it is like, you know, it's kind of that. I suppose there has to be a cutoff point, but, but to me, I find it difficult to reconcile where something begins to be. I mean, you've got a, an age of responsibility, I suppose, but at what point do you do you start to see criminal behaviour as um, intentional or? Um, an aberration, if you like, of human behavior, um, it's, it's really difficult because it, it is kind of recognizing that society is a construct that is built on um, an ideal, if you like, an, a, a normal, normally behaving human being that's, that's defined by law. Um, but does that person actually exist anywhere? Or is it just like an average set of laws that make up what we think of as a civilized society? And anyone who goes who strays from that sort of central definition, that the further you stray, the more of a risk- well, think it's applied differently to different groups of people. Yeah, definitely. particularly along lines of
1: race. Yeah, where, and also the the typical ideas of the normally function person doesn't really fit with everyone and that's not necessarily saying that the people that don't fit that are wrong in any way it's just they don't fit the society that they're expected
0: to live in in a very specific way i wonder as well i mean thinking about that in relation to age i wonder whether or not there's a trajectory involved in terms of i mean i would say looking at my past life that in general obviously that the, there are sort of exceptions from time to time, but in general, I would say that I have become more closely aligned to um, what people would think of as a good law abiding citizen over time that that a lot of the the things that I look back on my past and think, yeah, that was fucking stupid or or illegal even um. You know, I, I feel like I've become more responsible over time. It's something that
1: most crimes something? I wouldn't really think to commit, but that's not
0: because it's against the law. It's because it's against something that I just wouldn't want to do. But there are, there are crimes that people in society commit all the time. I mean, speeding, for instance. I mean I wouldn't want to do that but I can't a drive anyway people, so a lot of people don't see that as a crime but it is a criminal act you know if you look at the highway code it is a crime um and actually some would argue that actually it's it's something that should be treated more seriously than it is but then other people just think it's a money grabbing thing I mean
1: it, it, when you say treated more seriously it's a, like it should be treated seriously as like a Uh, uh, yourself sort of keeping pedestrians and other drivers safe. But um, if you mean by taking seriously in the way that government often talks about taking crime seriously,
0: punishing things harshly does not make them go away. (laughs) The thing is, I mean, the difficulty is that I think probably quite rightly, people do not like having the decision on what constitutes responsible behavior taken away from them. But at the same time, people differ greatly on their definition of responsible behavior. You know, somebody who drives, um, like myself, I find it difficult defining my own boundaries. So the safest thing for me is to just to stick to the speed limit, wherever it is, most of the time. 99% 99% of the time, sometimes there's a case where a sign's been left up by some roadworks and it's obvious that it's just been left in error. But technically, according to the law, I should be slowing down to 30 mile an hour when there's nothing happening, you know. But the difference between somebody who drives within the speed limit and somebody who can see that the road is clear ahead of them and decides to go over the speed limit and that there's nobody else around, so they think that's a responsible act.
1: I mean, in that case, it's sort of I would rather not attract trouble for something that's relatively small and does not matter to me. Getting to my destination just a tiny bit quicker is not yeah. so important to risk that's going it. to I mean, apart jail from, or risking killing myself.
0: Apart from anything else, a lot of the time it's a case of just having a bit of control over your own anxiety levels, because I'm sure half of the time people speed, because once they get behind the wheel of a car, they just get anxious. They feel like they have to be where they're meant to be as soon as they possibly can. Whereas actually, it's nice to just chill out and just cruise along, like knowing that actually I've left plenty of time to get where I'm going. I don't need to risk my life and the life of other people around me just to overtake this guy in front because he's going 10 miles an hour slower than the speed limit. Yeah. I mean I don't I don't like the I don't generally like cars as opposed to public transport in general like what do you think of the um, prospect that self-driving cars will be the main form of transport for individual vehicle owners at some point do you think that will happen I
1: mean possibly but I don't think that's the solution to traffic
0: no no
1: the main solution to traffic right now is to expand roads in whatever way possible, which just creates more traffic generally. Yeah. Um, Whereas fitting more people into a smaller space, like a train where, I mean, with like cars, you have one person, usually one or two people in like a four person vehicle,
0: that takes up a fair amount of space. Yeah. I mean, in in my case, uh, uh, my car, a lot of the time is financially and environmentally irresponsible um, because of the size of it. But at the same time, I can't afford to have a second car, which is a lot smaller and a lot more efficient
1: I, I but also the, the capacity of TV. that allows you to take more people when necessary.
0: And all my equipment, yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting what you were saying about, um, we're kind of getting away from age, but what you were saying about, <laughs> about it being better to carry on driving a diesel car than to go buying a new electric one environmentally.
1: Well, yeah, the the environmental cost to producing a new car is sometimes greater than just having electric car. also keeping in mind where the electricity for your electric car would be even coming from
0: Mm. do you think then i mean like when it comes to whenever it is in a few years time that i'm looking at at buying a replacement car do you think or do you know if it's more environmentally friendly to go with buying a new electric car or buying a second-hand diesel car that's still got plenty of life left in it.
1: It, it, It's more of a case of like efficiency because at at a certain age,
0: the car will produce more harmful things. Yeah. But somebody's got to decide when that car is going to get scrapped.
1: Yeah. But um, I don't really know. I, I mean, generally in terms of cars, I would rather there was, good functioning public transport so that you could effectively get a train or a bus anywhere without it being a hassle where you'd have to check the schedule. Like you can in London, just go to a tube station, wait for a train, go wherever you want. That should be the same across trains everywhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember from when I lived in London that there was absolutely fuck all point in me having a car there. It would have been less convenient to, to use it than to get on the Because
1: there's a lot invested in public transport in London, but if you go to the north of England, very few trains. It's fucking awful. Basically everything is directed toward London rather than between
0: northern cities or to Scotland. I mean, to a certain extent, it's a bit like that in Inshin, that if I'm going into Aberdeen, it's financially and temporarily more convenient for me to use my car because it costs, I think it actually probably costs a bit more to get the train than it does to drive. Cause I've got a diesel. It's fairly cheap to run. Um, but also, I mean, you've got a park and stuff, I suppose. So it works out about the same financially, but the trains aren't often enough for it to become convenient for me. It's about every hour
1: if you're lucky if you get at peak times sometimes every couple of hours
0: i mean on a sunday you're looking at i think two or three trains yeah the entire because it's a a rural area that's not seen as as important Hmm. by the way i don't know if you saw on the news you know the storm thing there was a uh, a train uh, that arrived there there were people coming from Elgin down you know the main train line down from Inverness to Aberdeen they got on the yeah. train from Elgin stopped at Huntley on Friday evening at five o'clock and were sitting stuck on that train for 17 hours oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> apparently they were well looked after it was cold apparently but the stuff were like really kind of good to them but it was just like wow just being of all the places to be stuck as well Huntley Station
1: <laughs> yeah I I would rather not go back to Huntley in general but being stuck there for 17 hours would be
0: horrible I would imagine it was probably quite scary actually as well because yeah I was out in that wind and it was not nice anyway um so age <laughs> Yeah, we keep tangenting what to you, various places. Um, um, film certifications and and basically age certifications on everything, like computer games as well.
1: well that's know. the thing. Uh, age certifications for computer games are a lot more strict than film certifications. In where t- enforcement or uh, not in terms of enforcement, but in terms of like at the age that you're supposed to put it at, like eighteen most popular games are at 18 most popular films like the only 18 films would be basically horror films as far as i can tell or very sweary thrillers or comedies but most of them are 12 or 15
0: i i mean the the longer it goes on i think the more difficult it is to get an 18 rating in the cinema um i think it's not necessarily i mean you say horror films I think it's more about the uh, the nature of the horror in terms of, you know, you, you could have somebody being like chopped up into pieces um, and it'd still only be a 15, but it's the way that it's done and how realistic yeah. in terms of... Violence is absolutely fine in most things, but
1: if you swear or show any nudity, then it's an 18.
0: Well, the, the thing is, I mean, I'm thinking about the Final Destination films. There's There's some really gruesome gore and 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 i mean i know the saw films are 18 but the final destination films because there's supernatural um content in there i think that's why it gets a 15 but with something like saw the same level of gore if you like is a lot more sinister or seen as a lot more sinister because it's perpetrated by a serial killer you know it's something which which you can see actually being done, rather yeah. than happening to people. If you see what I mean, I suppose it de- all depends on whether or not something could be emulated or copied.
1: I mean, that was a thing with um, the game uh, Manhunt, which is a Rockstar game banned in the UK uh, because one of the um, ways that you could kill someone was by using a plastic bag, a plastic bag that would be available to many people <laughs> as a way of
0: killing someone. That, that immediately makes me think, well, because I saw, um have you heard of a film called My Little Eye? No. I'm pretty sure that was only a 15. It might've been an 18, but that was a, a, a film where um it was a bit like a kind of big brother kind of um situation there were these people in a house together and it was being filmed and rich people were watching it and betting on who would who would die next basically Um, and they were put in scenarios where they had to kind of kill each other off and one of them did that by suffocating somebody with a plastic bag um so why is it okay in cinema but is is it because you are the one that's, that's committing the act in a computer game that
1: might be a thing with it, like being people committing at but I, it's partially, particularly in the 90s, became a thing where like video games were aimed as children's things. And so when people started making more adult games like Mortal Kombat or something that had these quite gruesome death animations, the way that politicians or parents reacted was, Why are you making our children? Tear the heads off of their opponents and stuff like that.
0: It's like and just completely forgetting the fact that the children that played computer games back then are, are growing up now. <laughs> and won- well, no, I mean this was a thing that going on in the
1: '90s. It's yeah. less of a thing now, but the age rating system's not
0: gone away. Yeah, but the the people that were becoming adults at that time were the ones that were playing Space Invaders in the late '70s, early '80s. Yeah, but that's pixels. It's not particularly violent to shoot pixels. Computer games. It's just, it's, it's the people that play computer games grew up on Pong and Space Invaders and Phoenix and stuff like that. It, the, the technology improved and the graphics improved as they aged, but they still. In the 90s, it was
1: perceived to be children that would be mainly playing computer games rather than it was seen as something that you grow out of. Yeah. Whereas it's become a much bigger industry now and so yeah. adults play video games and it's mainly aimed at adult audiences.
0: Yeah, that's, it just goes to show how out of touch the people that were making these rules up were. Because, you know, I was I was 19, 20 and I was playing Super Mario, like, obsessively.
1: <laughs> but it was sort of a change in the marketing, I suppose, at that time. Also, why um, video games largely became marketed towards a male audience around about that time was just a marketing decision by companies like Nintendo.
0: Yeah. Oh. Oh. Excuse me. <clears throat> that almost went down the wrong way. You don't want single malt to go down the wrong way. You're a big And, to, and- <laughs> to some extent, they still are aimed
1: towards male audiences. Um, with pretty much every protagonist being male. Um, But more gamers actually are women now, so...
0: Yeah. Excuse me a minute. (coughs) Just clear the whiskey out of my windpipe. Not got COVID. (laughs) I don't think so. I'm due a test this evening, but I'll probably wait until tomorrow because I'm not going anywhere. Still do them twice a week, just to be sure. I haven't got it yet.
1: <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, particularly if you're going into schools. Yeah. I think you are supposed to have them twice a week, but it's it's a hassle. So.
0: I haven't been doing it that much, but... Nearly run out. So... Yeah... It is a. I don't know what happens with age. Um, I'm a bit less scared since turning 50 about death. And I don't know why that is. Up until 50 seems to be for me, I mean, maybe it's psychological, but it just seems to have crossed a threshold for me where. I give less less of a shit about it. It's like it's almost like I've suddenly become aware that there is only so much time left. So you just gotta you just gotta get on with it and enjoy yourself, you know. I mean, to a certain extent that I had that attitude before, but it's like, well, this is a bit more real now. I mean, I'm looking back at the last 20 years of my life and when I moved up here and and got married to mum and um you know, had you guys, we had you guys, and basically the last 20 years of my life has been bringing up the kids, having a family. But you can't remember that. I mean, that's almost like one chapter. Although there's lots of stuff that's happened, that's one convenient segment of my life. And you think, oh, hang on a minute, when that started, I was 30. And yeah, when I look forward the same amount of time, I'm going to be 70. So this next 20 years is almost like, this is my this is my career chapter. This is my bringing financial stability for old age chapter, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I guess it's to this point where you've reached an age where typically you've only got 15 to 20 years until you'd be retiring. I mean, you might not retire. A lot of musicians keep doing stuff even after they officially retire.
0: Yeah, um, I think I think it's more a case of probably just kind of slowing down. Um, yeah, and just doing but, things that you enjoy from that point. But you've got to admit, you've got to get yourself into a financial position to be able to do that and not be able yeah. to survival if you like.
1: You're sort of at this point where I assume you don't have much of a pension, of any pension. Well, but you would be able to I, really I don't, I securely don't, live on.
0: No, not securely live on, but I've got I've got uh, a reasonable pot that I've been paying small amount into since my twenties, um, but it is oh, a small amount. You know, I mean, I'm talking like I've, at the moment I think there's I can't even remember. It's probably between twenty five and thirty grand, which is not going to last long. You know, um, but Sorry, I really need to piss, um, so
1: I might. No. If you want to take like a break in the recording. <laughs> to edit that out, or you can keep talking. Yeah, that's not going to happen, is it? I'm going to pause my recording.
0: Oh, yeah, but I'm not I'm not going to pause mine. I'm going to edit it out afterwards, because otherwise it might start encoding and stuff and things. Oh, no. oh fine. No, no, I'll just go. I'll pause it. I'll pause it. <laughs> and we're back. Only they can't hear me because they don't have their earpiece. Oh, now they do. Are you still recording? Uh, I've just started again. I did pause. Oh, okay. I have started again. Um, I won't have to edit that because I just paused it and it'll continue now. Uh, I mean, it'll sound shit, but it'll kind of fit with the rest of the episode, I suppose. Kind of. I don't know. Okay. We must be entertaining sometimes. I do listen back to these, you know. Do you? Uh, A bit. Like,
1: not the whole thing, but yeah, I'll go into it a bit and like for maybe 10 minutes or so sounds all right. Sometimes (laughs) I assume so. I mean, some people seem to enjoy it. I do
0: wonder though, whether or not, because I don't have local um, backups of, of these podcasts. So if the podcast provider server or whatever just disappeared, they'd all be gone. I should, I should, Download some backup copies, shouldn't they? Well, it's uploaded to YouTube, and yeah, that's true. Various places. It's, my my um, my podcast though isn't. Oh okay. So I should maybe download those just in case. Just in case Anchor decides to go tits up, as it were. Yeah. So um, yeah, age.
1: Oh yeah, it the thing that I got onto with the age of consent either and the age at which you kind of need knowledge of mm-hmm. sex and various things around that, uh, including like conception. Um, it was a, a thing on Twitter, some twat posting that the Scottish government was sending out um, questionnaires um, aimed at students. I mean, they'd posted it misleadingly saying that it was um, I think P5 to S6 whereas the questionnaires were only aimed at S4 to S6 which for people who aren't in Scotland is um, about 15 to 17 so people who could reasonably be having sex at that point Mm -hmm. um, about whether they've ever had sex, whether they use contraception when they have had sex um, whether in the last year or ever you know mm. um, that sort of thing, and this sort of thing where for some reason at that age, I mean kids know about sex at that age, whether or not you teach them or not, it's about learning in a healthy way, yeah, that means that you stay safe, mm. But that it's sort of treated. Don't fart. At least I can't smell it. Mm. But um,
0: (laughs) it's been a while since I've left one of them rip on. Sorry, I'm totally trashing your train of thought. What were you saying about sex? It well, it's
1: treated as like a dirty secret, uh, especially for people. Under eighteen, where you, you can't know anything about this—it's secret. You uh, you can't know anything about anything like this. It's, it's a lot healthier, actually, if you do learn about it in a controlled environment rather than figuring it out for yourself. Yeah, which most people, including myself and probably yourself, were kind of left to do effectively. Mm. I mean, I probably had a slightly more comprehensive sex education than yourself, but it wasn't great still.
0: Sex education for me was done at, I think, age 11. Um, It was in my last year of junior school, maybe 10, 11. Um, This is how it was done. The teachers didn't have to, um, I mean, say junior school, that's actually what's called primary here um the yeah. last year of of that um but they had a a specialist come in with a projector and showed a film like a projected film um of um i suppose like a what you might think of like a sort of a one of those kind of see through cross section kind of animated um mock ups of what happens. <laughs> You know, an animated kind of representation of the biological side of it, but there was no relation yeah. to education. It was all the biological the thing,
1: side. And especially at that age. You're learning at it from uh, learning it from a purely biological perspective, where yeah. you're learning how the concept of sex even works. That's the thing as well. I wonder if you were particularly interested in biology at a young age, whether I mean, I I guess I was, but I can't specifically remember. I was more interested in dinosaurs than sex. But um, if you were particularly interested in aspects to do with that, at that age, how much people would shield you from that, just as a general concept in biology
0: rather than in relation to humans? Yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, it is a generational thing, I think. And I wonder obviously there there are the unhealthy aspects of such a widespread availability of porn nowadays but i i wonder whether or not that uh obviously the, the fact that we have relationships education now is i wonder if that's necessitated by the fact that there is easy access to the physical representation side but in a non-realistic way. So it's almost as though porn has to be I mean, in, in sex education.
1: That existed when you were a kid. I mean, it, it might have been distributed for different means and it wouldn't have been as easy to just search it up. But people saw that stuff and knew about that stuff, presumably, <laughs> in unhealthy ways still. And also just the way that their parents' relationships might have been wouldn't have been the healthiest
0: relating to consent necessarily, because porn wasn't available in the way that it is now. Not 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 that I mean not online, but the censorship was such that you could not see the act of sex being represented. Uh, like you're not represented. You could you could not. Um, you you weren't penetration wasn't legal. It wasn't legal to show penetration in in magazines or videos. Really? Really, yeah. Um, the very few publications where you might be able to um, tell that that's what's happening had to have like a black circle printed over the actual place where it was happening. So it was obvious what was happening, but they couldn't show it. Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, technically...
1: Um fisting is illegal to show or female masturbation is illegal to show in UK porn but it still very much
0: happens. Well, I mean it's that's the thing though it's so this is the point at which you've got to think well how effective or is it actually damaging to the whole system of law to have laws in place which are practically unenforceable?
1: Well, certainly around porn, the UK government frequently wants to do things that it can't do,
0: um, particularly in relation to online porn, because um, it's just oh, not whether or not part of it. Then is just an issue of um, like thought police kind of thing.
1: Yeah, they, yeah, it's the sort of thing. It's sort of like, well,
0: if people are people doing- are
1: going to find that, like anyway, you're not going to be able to get rid of it on every site it's better that it's on the mainstream sites that
0: do actually stop but then to some extent the function of that law then is not to prevent access it's to create guilt i mean the main thing that actually stopped porn sites
1: from uploading more extreme content such as pornhub which is the main one um is um also only fans has had to r- remove all of its adult content because um credit card companies or things like paypal don't want to be essentially used in the um used in uh the committing of a crime essentially mm. and so they've threatened to pull out which is the main thing that's sort of stops Sorry, you just said that at the wrong time. (laughs) I'm just taking a mouthful. I had to swallow rather quickly. (laughs) Wow. So mature in your old
0: age. (laughs) I don't have to pretend not to be now. Hang on. No, that doesn't make sense, does it? (laughs) Who cares? Anyway. Well, yeah, Um Yeah, I don't know.
1: Uh, another thing that I wanted to briefly speak about mm. is something that came up um recently. It was on the 20th of November was um Trans Day of Remembrance, which right. is effectively sadly the largest um sort of trans Related holiday, I suppose, or event pretty much every year. Mm. And it's related to remembering uh people who have either been murdered or taken their own life, basically lost their life due to violence against trans people in some way. Yeah. I mean, it's complex and quite often intersects with racism um, that exists there as well. Mm. um and it's mainly victims in central america and south america mm. but it's a sort of thing where um it, there was this statistic going about um i don't know if you would have heard it or whether it had really passed your radar um uh that the life expectancy of a black trans woman in the united states was 35 Right. I might have actually said that to you at some point I don't remember but I mean the fact is um finding a life expectancy for things like that is quite difficult there's not really a lot of information to go on mm. uh the the actual statistic was um from which various versions have span out from um is that the average age of a black trans woman murdered in the United States was 35. Yeah. Um however the case where most murder victims are in their 30s it's just kind of a case of that's the average age. Yeah. But, well the average murder victim is in their 30s not necessarily most. Yeah. Mm. Um it's just kind of a thing to do with uh, statistics really. But it is a sort of idea that sort of permeated um, not just among trans people, but in the queer people in general, where this idea of like not having as much time, like not, I mean, it was a thing that I joked about quite often before, um, not making it beyond 40 mm. because the way my life was even a year ago, I did not, a year, a couple of years ago, I did not see myself living sustainably that way where my mental health was so poor because I had to be in the, I felt that I had to be in the closet.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope that's, Um, that's um, changed for the better over the last couple of years.
1: It has, it has definitely by coming out, there's been a marked improvement in my mental health, even if it isn't perfect. I I don't, I would feel like I'm going to die.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't in any, uh, sense try to imply that things are going to be easy for you but i don't see any reason why um there should be certainly as time goes on as well things hopefully are going to continue to improve um society wide wise because there's a whole thing going through uh is there not some legislation going through scottish government at the moment the gender equality act
1: uh, gender recognition, gender act,
0: recognition act, yeah.
1: Which uh, there's a lot of opposition from transphobes on um, supposedly on the basis that it would allow um, any anyone to say that they're trans to get access to single sex spaces. But it's a sort of thing where, like, that's I don't think been that- a thing for a long time. Like things like the women's bathroom. There's nothing stopping anyone from going into the women's bathroom. Mm. Several people have gone into the wrong gendered bathroom by mistake. It's not a massive deal. And also for things like um, abuse shelters or um, rape crisis centers, which have been attacked by transphobes. But the
0: the vast majority of toilets now in public spaces, you can pretty much see most of the way in anyway. There's usually a mirror that you can see pretty much the entire bathroom just as you're walking past. And it's like, it's it's becoming less of a thing, you know. They don't really have, most places don't even have a door anymore on the entrance to public conveniences, you know. It's kind of...
1: uh, Some places don't. They'll have like a small corridor that goes through, but... yeah. um, but it, it is still a thing. That's the less a,
0: of, a, of a private space, if you like. I
1: mean, it's something that I didn't really realize until later um, at my school. Um, I barely used the toilets um, just because I didn't feel comfortable there. I didn't realize that was probably partially related to being trans mm-hmm. uh, until... Later, when I realised once they had actually installed a unisex toilet, I used the toilets there. I'm actually quite- more than I'd used the toilets across the school in my entire other time there, which is about four years.
0: I'm actually quite surprised to hear that that, they, that, that school had, um what did you say, a unisex toilet? Or uni- a
1: unisex toilet, but it was only really built in my senior years there. So.
0: Right because I know where I'm placed at the moment. um, Well, I say, I know, I don't know of a unisex um, toilet there. I know there's plenty of, um, what do you call them? Monosex. You know, there's girls and boys toilets, even male and female staff toilets, but no, I
1: mean, I know a lot of people sort of didn't like them for whatever reason. I mean, that you could see into the whole bathroom from the corridor, Mm. Um, but the cubicles were effectively their own separate rooms, which I really liked. And uh, the main thing that initially put me off the boys' bathrooms was um, some people in the years above messing with the locks on the toilet cubicle to not actually let me close the door. Yeah. Mm. Which you can't really do when people can just watch what's happening from the corridor yeah yeah but it, it's um. sorry to get back to my initial point a thing where I think a lot of queer people in general and this will be a thing amongst other groups where the perception of how long you think you're going to live changes how you live your life now quite a lot mm. and that gets shortened for some people where I think a lot of queer people end up sort of speed running friendships in a way because a lot of life events will just
0: happen faster because there's this perception there being less time to fit them in. You see a massively obvious um, example of that when you see people willing to risk their lives to cross a piece of water because they don't expect their lives to last (laughs) beyond tomorrow necessarily
1: you know yeah it's it's the sort of thing of i mean i think in the people that do cross the channel now and this is the thing that um it's very annoying that most countries don't really have a very humanitarian approach to it rather just a case of how do we process this and uh, the 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 paperwork of it really rather than the human cost Mm -hmm. And also things about like deterring people, smugglers. It's sort of like, well, if you provided
0: safe passages, they wouldn't be necessary. This is the thing. What's really annoyed me that I'm really noticing it now is that every single interview, they're talking about the criminal gangs. And you're like, well, there's an easy way to get rid of them. Provide
1: safe routes. I mean, that's the thing. With pretty much any criminal activity you can think of, if there's a safer way to do it, that hurts less people
0: then like people the will take that option when it's available. Yeah, it's like the drug situation. It's like there is there is a need for a particular service. There is a market, if you like, and it's not being provided by... Because people
1: will find a way to do that.
0: Yeah. Whatever like that. it is. Yeah.
1: It's just it will be less healthy and there will be... It'll be attached to other criminal activities that are far worse and reasonable to dislike things like organized crime around like murder with like the sort of people that would sell drugs sometimes being involved in other criminal activities. It's sort of like, well, if you could legally sell drugs, then this wouldn't be a problem.
0: You know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly change the subject. I, I think we'll probably come in towards the end of the but, um age. Um, something that struck me I've had. I don't know if you know, but uh, you saw me on Tuesday, didn't you? After a particularly bad day at school. Yeah, I don't know if you know. I took a mental health day the next day. I didn't sleep at all Tuesday night. I got about two hours sleep. I said I didn't sleep at all. I got about two hours sleep it was obvious to me that it wasn't safe for me to drive um, the next morning. And I spent, I had a bit of a breakdown on Wednesday. I was pretty much in tears half of the day, but I bounced back. Thursday was actually a really good day, but um, long and short of it, I'm struggling big time or I have been struggling big time with levels of support and stuff. To cut a long story short, one of the things during this process of looking at the situation um, that occurred to me was my support staff that are supposed to be mentoring me and helping me to, to become a teacher, if you like Um, the gap, the age gap between them and their pupils and well, actually the age gap between them and me is more than three times the age gap between them and the pupils that they teach. (laughs) Cause like they're in their early twenties. Yeah. Like, And that, you know, that, that is, that is weird to me that, that they, you know, they're in their third year of teaching in a secondary school and they are three times nearer to the age of, and it's, it's weird. It's like age, in some ways you get. Wisdom and experience, life experience, if you like. And there's the whole thing that, you know, obviously I've lived so so much longer, but, and I've also brought up teenage kids who you weren't teenagers all the time, but you know what I mean? All of that is kind of irrelevant when it comes to actually being in the classroom, especially when you consider that when I was at school, the slipper was still allowed, you know, and the stuff that I'm teaching is not only from a different country, but an entirely different curriculum, you know, it's, everything that i taught i that i teach now is is completely alien to me if you just look at what i learned when i when i did music o level it was all theoretical there was no practical it was all just learning about theory and dead composers that was what music was as a as an exam um so a really uninteresting way to learn about music for most pupils yeah i mean it kind of yeah it perpetuated that that situation now which see one of the things i i find difficult is that most of the kids i'm teaching see when i went into senior school i was pretty much grade 7 grade 8 on two instruments um and the only reason it's not because i we had money the only reason is because my mum was a music teacher and she taught me um but now the only way to be that advanced musically is to pay for it is to have parents who can afford to pay for it so it is in the hands of the elite now even to the point where you know the the top london orchestras the professional orchestras they don't pay enough for people to live on i know people that are in them and they are they really struggle with mental health and everything because they just cannot afford to to live So the only way that you can be in that world now, that that elite musical world, is by having enough money to support yourself to do it for the fun. You you can't get into it from where most people are. Whereas
1: orchestras in, say, Berlin or Vienna would
0: pay a decent wage to... How do we get from age difference into, <laughs> into Orchestra wage uh, Wages?
1: Well, I mean, it's sort of talking about the way that you view your life in general and your progress yeah. into a career, if, if that isn't even a relevant, relevant term anymore.
0: Mm. Anyway, I suppose we should be winding up soon, shouldn't we? I think mum wants to talk to you. <laughs> I mean, Fair, yeah. not specifically. It's just because she hasn't seen you for ages. So. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, we could go on and talk about the distinctions between the Bronze Age and the Iron Age and all that, but I doubt um, you'd have much to really go on there.
0: <laughs>
1: it is worth, um, on that subject, Noting just um, how short our lives are compared to the grand scheme
0: of the Earth and the universe and even human history. You know what? That's one of those things that blows my mind. Um, I think... I'm not sure if it's Carl Sagan, um, Mm -hmm. who is an absolute genius, by the way. Um, But that idea that how infinitesimally unlikely it is that we find ourselves... In that tiniest sliver of a microscopic amount of time when you take the the age of the universe and the age of the planet but the age of the universe and you think how infinitesimally small this window of our lives is how incredibly unlikely it is that we find ourselves in that moment in time right now yeah it's like this life, this span of in most cases, less than a hundred years that you find yourself is absolutely the most precious commodity that, that you can even imagine. And most people spend it frittering it away on worries and anxiety about stuff that really doesn't matter. Cause you know, in a few millennia, the, the whole human race might not even be here. Yeah. So, all you can do all you can do is chew I mean if <laughs> have you haven't even seen that, but do you know what I mean it's like just stop worrying and enjoy life because it, it,
1: it's something that you appreciate when you study um the history of evolution and um, the sort at? of geological time you're talking about in terms of that, yeah. where most of the time even biologists look at it is about from 500 million years ago to now whereas the earth's been around for about 4.5 billion years 4.6 billion years um most of the time that even talking about a very large time span uh biologists would look at is not even the history of earth and that's not considering the history of the entire universe
0: yeah it's just it's just mind-boggling it's just you've got to get some kind of perspective, and maybe 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 that's what begins to happen as you get older that your perspective has changed so much to the point that i mean they do they do call um old age second childhood don't they
1: yeah no worries. Uh, i if I think it's freedom yeah. really at a certain age where you're not having to work ideally. Um and so you can go travel, you can go explore your interests in a way that a lot of people don't during their career. Or I mean yeah. it's this, oh. this idea
0: of life is kind of dying out even in if you terms can't, of even if you can't afford those luxuries that to a lot of people. I think as long as you are able to eat and live and be relatively comfortable, you come to a point where you just learn to live within your means and accept the way things are. Because you, you know, if you know that you've only got a few years left in you, what's the point in fighting anymore? And this is why I suppose revolutions and protests and that are very often peopled by younger people because they have so much more left to fight for in their lives, if you like. Um, I know you get you get older people now present at things like Extinction Rebellion protests and stuff like that, and that's admirable, but the majority of the protesters are younger. Well, that is something that I did
1: want to mention um, on this topic in a couple of ways. The Home Office... Um, so two things. On the subject of... Um, the laws against migrants coming across the channel and things like that the home office has new powers to basically um strip citizenship from people in the uk without notifying them they already had some powers to do this but now it's getting even more extreme um, which is sort of a precedent set by, if you remember the case of uh, Shmina Begum. Yeah, I was thinking that. It was like at that point... Who, it when was, she was 15, went to Syria yeah. um, to join um, Islamic State, which it's a sort of a thing where like you can't really be sure at that age whether you really have the
0: ability to really appreciate the gravity of that well at any age if you get radicalised it's kind of how are you yeah. in control of your own actions are you but certainly at that age yeah
1: and then the UK government breaching international law to basically not let her back into the UK to process her uh, so I think she's now in the Netherlands yeah um, but yeah, that's another thing. And also, the which I've mentioned before, um, the laws against protest where essentially um, you can be arrested for protesting if it's considered to be a disturbance, or even like a noise disturbance. Yeah, yeah. If it's considered to disturb anyone in any way, the government can choose to basically make your protest illegal So
0: basically, the right to protest has been removed.
1: Uh, Effectively, yeah. As long as the government does not want you to protest, which in the case of things like isolate Britain or Extinction Rebellion, um, you do not have the right to protest Mm. in the UK anymore. Um, it, It feels kind of insane, but it's sort of a thing where in the UK if you have a parliamentary majority that's significant enough which Tories currently do because there's no constitution effectively there's like four documents that are roughly a constitution but they can be changed very easily
0: see, um there's nothing to stop
1: things like this from
0: happening very quickly but you see you see that immediately makes me begin to think um like it's almost like society turning back in on itself in the ter- in terms of a lot of people disagree with the lengths to which isolate Britain go to. And I know Extinction Rebellion actually distanced themselves from isolate Britain. Um, but that amount of um, inconvenience that they impose upon people by doing what they do almost gives the government justification to crack down. And you think to yourself, well, at some point you think like, well, Is somebody actually infiltrating these organisations and taking more extreme acts to give the government justification to crack down? It seems
1: unlikely, but you should have the right to protest in any way that does not cause a danger to life, really.
0: Yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? People people see that sort of obstructing ambulances on the way to hospital is causing a danger to life.
1: I mean, it's 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 sort of a thing where, um, if it could be done in such a way that you wouldn't be doing that, where ambulances could use other roads, but I guess the idea is to block the busiest roads to prevent as much traffic from going through.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is I suppose it's a controversially really close to a, a line of, but yeah, that's a whole different different discussion, really, isn't it? But yeah, I know what you mean.
1: But you can't really say, what you remove the right to protest on that basis,
0: basically. No. No.
1: Where the government sees fit, because they'll apply that differently to different protests. Yeah. As we've seen with the anti-lockdown protests and the BLM protests, the anti-racist protests got a lot more attention from the government than the anti-lockdown protests, really. Yeah. It was only when they became very significant that um, they even got really any sanctions. Mm -hmm. But um, you have this... It's a case where the government is simultaneously making these calls about freedom of speech being eroded in universities, while at the very same time stopping people who are often students from voicing their opinion in any meaningful well, that's,
0: way that's the freedom of speech of somebody different though
1: yeah i mean it, it's sort of like the freedom of speech of the people who shout about this on national news is not actually threatened really in this case because they have a platform people should be whereas f- if you're just protesting people and- should be
0: free to say what they want in a university but but not in wider society where they're actually causing problems for for, for normal people.
1: Well, the thing is, it's uh, when the cases of someone being, saying that they didn't have freedom of speech in university, I mean, the, the most recent one I can think of is Kathleen Stock, who stepped down from her position after some students and uh, staff members um started a campaign for her to resign mm. uh th- her criticism being that she created like a transphobic environment for students which is not a safe way to learn or a very free way to learn where you're afraid that your own lecturers do not see you
0: as equal to your peers mm that there's that kind of thing about the snowflake situation, is it actually it's the other way around, that you know, it's all very well to claim that your freedom to say whatever is being eroded and that you're going to get cancelled if you say the wrong thing. But at the end of the day, you've got to take responsibility for what you say and what you do. You can say nobody's saying. You can't say whatever you like. There's still freedom of speech, but you can't abdicate responsibility that if you say something that upsets people, they're not going to be pissed off and say so.
1: Well, it's the thing. So like it's... Uh freedom of speech not freedom from consequences people can respond using their own freedom of speech however they want to that
0: yeah which is fair and they don't have to like you for you to be able to say whatever you want if i say something fucking stupid i expect people to criticize me for it <laughs> you know yeah it's it's fairly simple but anyway. there is
1: a point where certain saying certain things becomes a danger to other people arguably where if you were inciting violence towards a certain group
0: that that's actually typically a, has what that's a crime though if you're in insecure. theory it's
1: very rarely applied in most yeah. situations <laughs> yeah but, because most people are careful enough to be vague towards certain groups rather than give specific threats yeah
0: anyway i think we should be winding up
1: yes okay
0: And um, um, but yeah, I think we've covered the subject of age for the most part. Yeah, along with lots of other things, but uh, such is the way of breaking bollocks. So, um, yeah. are you going to do the thing? Sure.
1: Uh, anyway,
0: I have been fireball, And I have been the orbiter. That's, you know, that's weird that at some point I am going to say I have been the orbiter for the last time. That's depressing. And this has been uh,
1: episode 80-something of uh, Breaking Bullock's Age.
0: Bye! Bye.
1: Afterbirth. It's sort of appropriate that I can't remember the
0: number, and it's 80-something, given that a lot of people do that at old age. Everyone. Everyone has been one second old at some point in their life. Well, one second into their life.
1: I suppose
0: so. I was your age once. Hopefully my age once. (laughs) Uh, Possibly. Although it must be said, looking at the aftermath of that storm the other day, I'm thinking to myself, I hope this is not a sign of things to come. But then, according to the scientists, we know that it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, events like this, weather events are going gonna- to be more frequent and more extreme. Yeah. I mean, it, it's something that the UK hasn't
0: experienced much of, but this mm. is sort of a taste of it. Yeah. Anyway, let's not get started up again. Do you have any last words to say before I cease the recording? Uh, Fuck, that's
1: a lot of pressure. Uh, (laughs) No.
0: Okay, then. I suppose it's down to me. I've gone and put the pressure on myself now. Where are we now? Where is, it's, it's it's November, isn't it? It's almost December. It's going to be Christmas soon. We've got our Christmas tree up.
1: Nice. It's a bit early,
0: but sure. Hey, but, you know, what can you do? Well, we watched Home Sweet Home Alone the other day on Disney+. Plus. It was okay. Okay. I might be spending the entire day at the cinema on Thursday. On Oh, no, sorry, on Tuesday not Thursday because I have my hospital appointment in the morning and then I have choir in the evening and I can't be asked to go home and there's, there's loads of films on at the cinema. So I think I might just have a cinema binge.
1: Um,
0: Anyway, I'm going to stop recording and um, there you go. This podcast is part of the after dark podcast network.